Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. If you're a regular listener, you know that Lane and I go back a long way, so I speak from experience when I say that it's been fascinating to watch the subjects the Lane gravitates toward. And by subjects, I mean people. If I offered her a celebrity interview, she'd give me a look that says, you've got to be kidding, unless it was Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. So today's topic, people in the shadows. You've always liked the offbeat, those people who stand out, the people that the rest of us make a beeline to ignore. Why is that? Why, why do you go there? See, I think it's the same reason I love Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe, if you're listening, <laughs> come be on our podcast. No, he, he doesn't go to the, the... Lane will interview you. <laughs> we have to have a beer, though. Mike, I like Mike's beer interviews. Yeah, um, okay. Um, but no, I, I think because I'm interested in the people doing the work, you know, quite frankly. I don't, I'm not so interested in the policy or decision makers or the people raising the money or the people getting the votes. I, I like the people who are actually doing the work and, and finding out kind of... What motivates them, you know? But you and you like the offbeat characters. I mean, you will find people. I like you know. We've talked about some of your stories before, like Elmer, the guy who who, the weird suspender guy who was at the St. Pete Pier, and everybody had seen him for years, but nobody had really stopped to talk to him until you stopped to talk to him because because what you're just thinking. I'm curious. Yeah. I, I think mostly more than anything, I want to know their story. So I figure I can't be the only one. You know, I think. So many, uh, I, I realize this even in college too. Like, we gravitate toward a lot of the same people. You know, the movers and the shakers and the people who are making decisions. You mean the and press, the as press, a, the journalists, the media, as a media, the, the mainstream. You have to cover. You know, um, but there's all these other people on the edges of things that are happening that are making them happen. You know, and I think back to reading that story about the guy who dug JF Kennedy's grave. Jimmy. It was Jimmy Breslin, right? And everyone's covering John F. Kennedy's funeral and he covers the grave digger. Like that person is thinking, feeling, experiencing things that are part of our collective conscience, but nobody really goes over to talk to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think just kind of keeping, keeping that in mind of like the people on the edges of things um, are the ones whose stories don't often get told. Right. Um, so think back, you know, we've talked a lot, you, you know, you were obviously a news reporter for a lot of years and you had to, you had to cover what was what came your way. Then when you start moving into more feature writing, narrative writing, you have a little more latitude to go after people that you, you find more interesting. And yeah, there wasn't, and I think part of why you don't like celebrity or the bureaucrats is because it doesn't feel as real, right? Exactly. They feel like they're posing. They're, they're like, like they're putting on. Quotes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like rehearsed statements. They're, you're not going to, you're not going to dig away the veneer past the veneer and find out who that real person is. I like authenticity. 
Um, I like finding people's real selves. And and I think a lot of the times the people who are, you know, been sidelines or in the shadows are a lot more self-aware in a way than than people who were putting on a face or, you know, beating a certain drum. I mean, it's it's reality is what we really want, right? And and there's a lot of layers you have to peel away at some of the more celebrity elected official people. But it's I mean, unfortunately, I think it's happened too with our downsizing in the industry. We don't, um, yeah, we don't we don't cover the working class nearly as much as we should. Um, and I mean, I think journalists have always gravitated towards homeless people. For you know, it's interesting because we will we'll do the homeless. We like the homeless, but uh, but then the layers of people who are you know not homeless but working poor. I'm not sure that we we do them nearly as much as we should. And um, and yeah, the offbeat who you know they're just quirky. I mean, I it. it it is funny because I'm even walking around with Lane. You're going to grab a beer with Lane. You see, she's like always looking around <laughs> to try to see who the characters are in the world who are standing out. I want to know. You know, I mean, it's, it's seriously, it's my job, but it's also my own personal, like, I don't know, curiosity that drives me to be like, what? Why is that lady wearing a wedding dress? You know, walking around the streets of St. Petersburg, or why is that man wearing Jesus suspenders and a big hat and playing the guitar when no one's listening to him? You know, and I just I want to know their stories, especially people out in public, you know, it's harder to find those people when they're kind of holed up in a nursing home or assisted living facility or, you know, you have to like get in somewhere, but you can, you can find those people too, you know? Um, So I I was going to put you on the spot and have you sort of think back to some of the people who have stood out in your career, like people that you've written about that you think, um, because I think you walk away with a stronger impression about some of these people than some of the ones that are, you know, I, more well-known celebrities, whatever you just you you, you know they kind of stick in your consciousness. I mean, we talked about Prince Vinegar, for instance, the guy, the crotchety old man who said he wanted to die when he really didn't, right? Um, we've talked about Elmer. Um, what yeah, what are some I, of the I, other people that you when you think back? And, I mean, one of the first um, times I remember being conscious of this, and I don't know where the term stakeholders come came from. It might have come from Tom French and that conference you sent me to a million years ago when I was first starting Mm -hmm. to think about it but the idea of who's got something at stake in this you know we we, it's very easy to go to the mayor but what about the the mayor's secretary you know it's it's and and looking around people who might give you a window into this world that aren't your main players you know I think we talked about the uh, Miss St. Petersburg and the guy that picked out her outfits and coached her and dressed her Um, one of my first beats that I had when I was on the Outer Banks um, and was commercial fishing and I didn't know anything about commercial fishing and I started out covering it like the guy before me covered it which was going to all these meetings of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and that sounds exciting the National Marine Fishery Service where there were these scientists talking about how big the shark had to be before you could catch it and how many shark eggs you know were, were not hatched in the last year and all these numbers and there would be one or two crusty old guys in the back of the room like in their bloody boots and their you know their, their cap and they'd just come off of their their boat for the day smelling like brine and they were in the back of the room making these arguments and I thought well gosh that would be a lot more fun to go out on the shark boat with these old guys and have them talk to me about the shark fishing industry than to go interview Mr. Hogwarts again who had right. you know been studying this on a piece of paper so I think that was my first you know as a beat how can I cover this beat differently well let's cover it with the people who are actually doing the fishing not just the biologists that are shutting them down mm-hmm. you know um so yeah, I mean, I, I I can think about that from a lot of stories. That there was a story in, um, I think this was a John Pendergraph one actually. There was a man whose son was killed by a drunk driver, and the sentence that they had imposed was, 
every year on the anniversary of this kid's death, the guy would have to write a postcard to the father of the dead kid. So John and I remembered this as being a really strange sentence, you know, that the dad didn't really want this guy to go to jail for the rest of his life. He just wanted to remember what he'd done. So we went to his house and staked out his house on the anniversary of the death and waited for the postcard to come, you know. And so that, that was a very small story. It affected one man very deeply, but it was also this idea about like, okay, some judge put this on a sentence that this was going to be judgment, and the postcard came while we were there. And it was blank. And it was amazing to watch what this poor, you know, what this poor man was going through. So that was definitely somebody in the shadows. You know, the, uh, we did the handcuff story the other day. It was blank? It was blank. He addressed it to the dad, sent the postcard, and didn't write a word on it. What an asshole. I know. So everything <laughs> the dad had hoped for in terms of some kind of comeuppance or closure or reminder, the guy just was basically like, screw you. I'm sending your damn postcard, and I'm out. Um. I remember, you know, even though we didn't work together for long when we worked together before, um, there's so many interesting characters that you found, even in the short time we worked together. Um, you know, the 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 bus driver for fish, um, you know, the woman, the rocking grandmother who liked to go to, to concerts. Heavy metal concerts heavy metal in her wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you wrote about an old lady who lived by the sea, literally, and who lived by Virginia Beach before Virginia Beach became this resort town. You wrote about kids who um, were in a family with one of the children had cancer, but you wrote about the other kids and their struggle with like being the kids who weren't sick, but having to have their whole family lives revolve around that. You wrote about the band geeks going to a state uh, music uh, or competition, um, and there, there are people in the shadows, yes. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, you wrote about Mrs. Virginia with this, this woman who was like, married with kids and she was like completely thin and gorgeous and it was like kind of really irritating um but <laughs> well, i mean never, like you there know, was the freshman senator who was going up to right the state capitol and right. i wrote about his little girl who was like seven and what did that look like from her perspective that was a really fun one we right shifted the lens on you know but um yeah i mean it's like it's interesting because i and i i you know i think you were always kind of Sometimes you come in with an idea where it's just like, I just saw this person and they look interesting to me. I mean, like there may not be, there's just something about them. They look interesting. That happens a lot. And, and sometimes it's as quirky as like something I've seen or thought about on TV. You know, like I, I love MASH. I, I love watching old MASH reruns. And there was an episode when um, Father Mulcahy was like really sad because everyone was dumping on him and he was supposed to be the, you know, the clergy, like uplifting these people in the war zone. And I tracked down a clergyman from... McDell Air Force Base, who'd been doing three tours of duty in Afghanistan, Iraq. I interviewed him on the phone. I remember he called me back. I was at Bush Gardens with the kids on a Saturday. Oh, and he called me from his sat phone. And I sat under the roller coaster and interviewed him for like two hours about what it was like to try to lift up the troops. It was for Christmas um, when he was feeling so down and depressed himself. So that was totally an idea that came off of MASH, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think it's easier or more difficult to win people over? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
or like this who you just sort of stop on the street and I mean then then uh, you know people are more savvy about us. I mean those kind of those kind of people really want us to tell their stories I guess. I I think it used to be easier to tell you the truth. I think there's a little bit more scrutiny now just as soon as you say you're from the the media or you're a reporter. You know, I usually just say I'm a writer. I don't usually say I'm a reporter or a journalist because I feel like that's become maligned. Yeah, and people feel a little bit nervous. Um, But no, I think that they're... They're, for the most part, less suspicious and less guarded. And that's one reason I'm really gravitate toward them, you know. And and a lot of it really is like, it's just convincing people they have a story worth telling. You know, how many people have ever been interested in, you know, I, I, I rode the bus with a, a guy with mental illness to get his first paycheck. How many people were really interested in his life ever? He was right. like, you've asked me more questions than my mother, you know. <laughs> like, just letting people know you are interested and, and your story is worth telling and and you're going to connect with other human beings the couple that you found that was coming to florida because they are just midwest dreams i guess right Rode the greyhound bus from wisconsin yeah right. just to get out of the cold I, I did um you know the old guy sweeping up the, the shrimp factory 99 year old mr newton um a boy who was wanted to be the yo-yo champion <laughs> like who knew there was even yo-yo competitions he i remember that lead was um fate gave him the finger because his finger had been like chopped off when he was a kid and his dad bought him a yo-yo to like hang on his stump and so he was the kid who didn't win the year before I was going to cover this yo-yo competition I'm like I don't want to worry about the guy who won they're like oh this runner-up kid he's really good he's you know he's bucking for this so that was a whole world I didn't know about professional yo-yo fate gave him gave him the finger literally and figuratively (laughs) yes um yeah, and I, I, I mean, I do, you, you know, we had talked recently about some of the reasons to go into journalism and people talked about how much um, they want people to see the humanity in other people, right? That you, and I know that's, that's a driver for you. You want people to feel that connection Absolutely. with people they wouldn't necessarily talk to. With, yeah, I mean, seriously, the people, the rest of us would kind of like, oh, God, let's what? cross over to the other side of the street because. Right, people you would judge. I think that's really one of the, People who can't suspend their judgment can't really do this kind of journalism. You know, you, right. you can be a judgy person and, and cover politics or cover finance or cover school board, but I think if you really have judgment about your fellow humankind, it's really impossible to do human, you know, interest, stories. human interest stories. It really is. And, I mean, I, that, that hit home for me real hard when I was one of the first reporters here to write about transgender people and they had literally been left out of the city ordinance that the, the city of St. Petersburg was making a you can't discriminate against lesbians, gays, queer, bisexual, whatever people, but they left transgender people off the list, like on purpose, right. even after debate. And so I now said, this out, was years ago. This, this was, was long ago. before Bruce, Caitlin Jenner. This uh, was I mean, 12, 14 years yeah. ago when people didn't even really know what it was. Yeah. And there were a couple of transgender people that had come and Leonora was covering city council then our friend Leonora Lapeter Anton. And she, we talked about this, like, these people came to the city council to be included and they got left out. And I remember thinking or saying out loud, I want to find one of those people and write about how this has affected them, how the lack of protection affects them. And the first person I did was a, a man who was transitioning to be a woman who was a mechanic at Bush Gardens on the roller coasters. And she came to work with nail polish and female clothes and got fired. Um, and it was she allowed me to follow her through this early transition process where she was still trying to figure out what was going on. It was called The Making of Maddie. And she chose the name Maddie because it was both mommy and daddy, and she had five kids. And and, and I remember her being at first a little wary to let me in and then saying, no, I really want people to understand. Like, nobody understands. So sure, come watch me put my makeup on in the morning. Come watch me put my fake boobs on, you know. And she was very, very open um, 
once once we cross, like, why should you do this? Well, because no one gets it. Okay, let's help them get it. Was know? she the one that went to the DMV? Or, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love the framing around that story, too, kind of going back to um, how, I mean, this moment was such a big moment, such a nothing moment for so many of us, but such a big moment for her. Yeah, she was going to the Department of Motor Vehicles to get her uh, driver's license gender marker changed from male to female. So I had a really kind of a public moment of this private journey that she'd been on and people reacting to her at the DMV. So is that, um, when you get people, when you get reader, and you get a lot of reader reaction, but when people, I, they, that must be really gratifying when they, when they purposely, like they say to you, you, you know, you opened my mind, you, you showed me another side, you know, you, they connect some, on some level that you feel like they wouldn't have otherwise. That's the best compliment I can get, seriously, to make people see their fellow man in a different, and women, <laughs> yeah. in a different lens through a different light, or to say, oh, oh, but for the grace of God, that could be me. You know, right. I, I think that's that's the best thing that can happen from my stories. Um, so I remember Tom French saying that one time that he'd like to see you explore someone who looks pretty normal on the outside, but is crazy weird on the inside. <laughs> Is that like, have you ever thought about that and whether you would attempt that? Like, what? Oh, I have the perfect example for that, actually. This could be its whole podcast by itself. So I got sent to write a story about Beverly Young, who was the wife of our longtime congressman, Bill Young. He'd been the congressman here for, I don't know, 30 something years. Yeah. And she was his second wife, much, much younger than him. And uh, they just wanted me to do a profile about her. And I didn't know anything about her at all, except for that I'd seen her in these pictures. And she was crazy. She still is a little crazy. She, she, well, I, I won't give you the whole, like we could do a whole podcast on this, but at one point in time, she's mad at the young senator who took her husband's seat. So in the middle of the night, well, like 1130 at night, we're over there interviewing her, hanging out at her house. She was drinking wine and had been drinking wine. And she all of a sudden says she's going to go over to David Jolly's house and knock on his door and demand that he do the right thing. And she like goes over to this young senator's house and bangs on his door while me and Sheree, the photographer, were watching like, what should we be doing? Should we be calling the cops? Should we be driving her? Because she's really not, shouldn't be driving. And she let it all hang out, man. And it was such a fun story to do because no one knew this kind of side of her and she completely like let me and Sheree into her really wacky world um, and yes so that that was the one that stuck, sticks out in my mind most of someone who seems very mainstream normal and like you get in there and you're like oh hell no <laughs> <laughs> so see they're there she's a lot of fun too I have to say it was a lot more fun than if she'd just been staid and, and normal but um, so yeah you and so the topic of this podcast was people in the shadows that's actually what you that's how you introduce yourself sometimes right you you actually use that term when did you come to that term do you remember I don't know probably still when I was with you yeah. in, in at the pilot because I know that some people are really drawn to like celebrities or other people are drawn to issues and other people are drawn to history and I've just right. kind of always been drawn to like the ones that everyone goes oh yeah I don't want to talk to that person or, or I think I know what their story must be you know and you're and you're kind of comfortable with letting it sort of see how it evolves. I mean, I, I've worked with some reporters who feel like they um, they want to know right away whether you know it's there or not, and they want to have a clear idea of what the story is. And it's got to have, you know, they've got to have a lot of stuff in place for them to feel it's worth the commitment of time. But I feel like you're more patient with that. You're more like willing to sort of 
you know, like you do when you meet someone for the first time, kind of sort of let it, let it go for a little bit and then, and then work to find the story. Yeah. And I've there been, you know, sometimes that it hasn't panned out, you know, and I've had to punt, but I think usually after an hour or so, I know if there's something there or something worth, you know, worth digging at or whatever. Um, and it, you mentioned before, but I just want to get back to this because I think uh, our curious, you know, it's your curiosity that drives you. And, um, I'm not sure people, all journalists are as curious as they should be about the world around them. You know, they're curious about officialdom and bureaucracy sometimes and why politicians do what politicians do. And of course, whether people are, you know, being cheated on their taxes or there's, you know, all those, all those great things that we, we, uh, we chase after. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always struck by just how, how you feed your curiosity. Like you're, you're willing to go there. Well, and I think a lot of it was my, my mom, even more than my dad, made, made a point of, of wanting everything in our world to be normal. You know, it was, it was a goal of hers that everything was very normal and we didn't have to deal with the riffraff. And we, so that so made me more is, curious. Wait, what does normal mean exactly? You know, like, like your world would be not upset? Yeah, middle class, Brady Bunch house. Nobody has any problems. Everybody goes nine to five job with secure benefits. Mom stays home with the kids. Right. We, we don't talk to people who look scary on the sidewalk. You know, you, you walk across the street if there's a homeless person there because you don't want to be tainted or whatever and, and the just there's no time for that and so I think that made me even more curious drawn to, drawn to it to be like okay what don't they want me to know why don't they want me to know about that you know I grew up outside of DC so I was in a really completely normal white bread Rockville suburb but you could go to DC and see a little bit of everything of humanity just by riding the metro right. you know and so I, I think it was sort of the forbidden in in a way and and so that made me want it more just like you know if your mom says you can't drink or have sex you want that more so it was <laughs> like don't talk to these people those are exactly the people i want to talk to you know and then it's it's no surprise that i ended up you know marrying a, a barefoot tie-dye wearing hippie boy from the university of virginia who plays in grateful dead bands and so all the people in our social circle when he were got to hear his music are fringy people who right. were dancing to their own drum beat and I'm I'm very very comfortable. I I'd, I'd much rather be in a room or a field a festival full of like people who are a little bit strange than on Wall Street with everybody in a student tie. Right, know? right. Um, okay. On that note, uh, if you have a question for Lane about any of her stories or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's w r i t e l a n e at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.